Thank you, worship team. Before we get into today's message, we have a quick promo of our next series coming up. Hey church, it's Brian and Tracy, and we wanna tell you all about the new series that's gonna be starting right here at church next week so that you can invite people in the neighborhood, friends, people at work, you can invite them to join us for this brand new three-week series. The name of the series is The Survival Guide for Parenting, and here's what we're gonna hit on over the next few weeks. It's gonna be talking about the three main principles that we feel like need to be in place for healthy, parenting to help you thrive in your parenting years, not just survive. So we'll talk about putting God first, that important principle. Then we're gonna talk about disciplining with love. And then we'll end with this very important point of affirming your kids. And one of the things we're gonna introduce in this series is what we call the fundamental law of parenting. And here it is, healthy parents transfer ownership of their kids' lives from parent to child through the ongoing process of maturity. So here's what this looks like on a chart. In the early years, when our kids are infants and toddlers, parents have all the ownership, right? We have to feed and provide and train them completely. They are totally dependent on us. But as they grow, you start to see that more and more responsibility gets handed off to your kids and the parents have less and less responsibility. Where you get to that point when they turn 18, they are ready to take full ownership of their own lives. So we'll learn about that and so much more next week as we start our series, The Survival Guide for Parenting. You can preview it now at pursuegod.org forward slash family and make sure to invite some friends who would benefit from this series next week. All right. That sounds like something that a lot of us could use, even if you're not a parent, but you know a parent. It could be helpful to have a conversation or invite them to that series, so I hope that you do. Now, we are in the last week of our Core Values series. My name's Eric. I'm the lead pastor here at Alpine Church in Riverdale. I'm glad to be here with you guys today. Um, and, and we've been walking through our core values, how we do what we do. We have a mission as a church. There's a reason why we exist, and it's to help people pursue God. And what values are then are things that help us get there, things that help us focus on what matters and what works so that we can perform the mission of helping people pursue God. You know, in, a, in an organization, it's it's, it's required that we have healthy relationships, right? That we learn to love one another, that we find out what's the most important thing and focus on that. And so we've talked about five different core values. Here's a quick list. There's some out there at the welcome table, uh, this same poster out, at the, out in the lobby that you can look at or you can go to our website at alpinechurch.org to review these even more. But we talked about how our first core value is to look, at, look to God and his word and all that we do. And that kind of sets the, the pace for the rest of our values, right? Like if we're going to say that something's important or something's valuable to us, it can't just be our own opinion, our own ideas and our own feelings or something that we grab out there from culture or something that we grab from the business world, right, and cling on to. That's not the most important value that we should have. As Christians, as a church, we ought to be looking to God's word in all we do. Like that is the foundation of our faith 
is the truth, God's word. We have to go to that, and, and we're going to ask, okay, what does God want us to do? What does God want us to value? And out of that, we find that he wants us to love each other. He wants us to love him. He wants us to make disciples, right? And so the rest of these values are kind of built on that, um, and it goes all the way to the end. To we're on mission with Jesus. Now, we skipped number three. If you've been here with the whole series, we did one, two, four, and five, and then Last week, we had an awesome 20-year anniversary at the D-Event Center. Who was pumped about that? Let's hear it, right? 20 years. um, And then we decided we're going to come back to this core value number three, which says that we win as a team, not as individuals. We believe everyone has something to offer for the greater good. Now, I know a lot of people think that churches are like, you know, the pastor only works on Sunday and everybody else comes like a movie theater for him to like do this presentation and in the band to do this, you know, entertainment. You know, I think that that's what culture or, you know, people that are coming to check church out are like kind of thinking that that's what church is. But the reality is, is that we all play a part. We're all a team. Whether you're on the stage or whether you're cleaning the bathrooms or whether you're serving in kids' church or whether you're, you're you know, greeting at the door or all the different things that happen to make church work on Sunday, it takes a team, not just one person. It reminds me of football. My, my son recently started playing high school football, and so it's been on my mind, you know, how... Uh, you know, you got the quarterback who is usually the captain, and, but you've got coaches that are over him, but you've got all these different positions. You know, the quarterback couldn't just run on his own to the touchdown, like, without needing a bunch of team players, right? He needs someone to hand it off to. The running back, he needs someone to pass it to. He needs his line in front to guard him when, when the defense is coming to get him to take that ball, And it takes a whole team of people to pull off a good football team, right? Now, my team, we all want our teams to win, right? And and it it means that your team's got to be healthy. It's got to have the right players on it, people that are bought in, people that are talented and gifted. and, And so, you know, my team's the 49ers, and I know I've lost all kind of respect from you guys today because of that, but I'm hoping that they can pull their stuff together and make something happen, hopefully, right? And, and we all want to win, right? We all have this competitive nature, and here at the church, we want to win well too, right? We want to perform the mission well. Our job isn't to get into the end zone. Our job is to make disciples, to love God, love others, and make disciples. That's our job, and, and we win at that as a team. And I just got to say, I came to this church you know, several months ago, and there is an awesome core team of people here today. Like, I am just blown away at the team of people here at Alpine Church that have been making things run all through the chaos of 2020 and half of 2021. Like, there is a strong core group of people here that I just deeply love and am growing to know more and more. And I just want to say thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. Like, I wouldn't be able to do this at all. If it was all left up to me, I would come and I would fail miserably and I would let everybody down and I couldn't meet anybody's needs because no one person can actually do this and that's not the way 
that God designed the church to be. But our culture is, is kind of stuck in kind of this independent mentality where we don't like to be team players all the time. Rarely ever anymore. It seems like we can stay at home and, and, and do our job from home in front of a computer screen, right? And so it's kind of conditioning us to not necessarily have to be a part of something, right? We can, we can be individuals and seem, seemingly be successful at life. At least, you know, make a living and, and all of that type of stuff. But the Bible has a lot to speak about being around other people, being a part of a team. And that's why the church exists for, for you and I to be a part of the team that's trying to fulfill this mission. So my first point is this. The drive to succeed in isolation is meaningless and depressing. God designed us to win together. Now the key verse for today is going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and so I want to go there at verse 7, and here's what Solomon says, the wisest man who ever lived. I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. This is the case of a man who is all alone, without a child or a brother, yet he, who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can, but then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving so much pleasure now? It's all so meaningless and depressing. You see, in this context, you know, Solomon's like looking around at the world, like he's been given this gift of of wisdom by God, if you go look at it, like Paul, uh, uh, Solomon asked for to be wise, to be able to uh, execute great judgments for, for God, right? To be a great king um, with wisdom in mind, and God granted that. And now Solomon looks out on the earth and he sees all this meaningless stuff going on, right? And I don't know if it's because I'm, I'm wise I would never say that about myself, but I look out at the world and see a lot of meaningless stuff going on, right? Meaningless, depressing stuff going on out there in the world, um, and, and it's because people are kind of selfish, right? They, they have this independent mindset. They think highly of themselves. They have pride. They think, I don't need anyone else. I don't need anyone else in my life. I can do this all on my own. But here's what Proverbs, again, Solomon says this, Proverbs 18.1, he says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. He's saying here that a person who will not lower themselves enough to go put themselves around other people and allow wisdom to be spoken into their lives is prideful. They're selfish. They seek their own desire and eventually, they break out against all sound judgment because they're not listening to anyone else but their own thoughts and ideas and opinions that are going on in their head and the feelings that they have. And that's what leads to meaninglessness and depression, right? If we're not masking it with pride. But here's what he goes on to say in Ecclesiastes. If we go back to chapter 4, the next following verses. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. 
Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Now, this verse actually is one I read very often at weddings. It's not necessarily talking about marriage, but that's a great analogy to say, you know, why we ought to pair up with people in our lives and be in relationships. You know, if we go back to Genesis chapter 2, when God created the first man, Adam, he said, it's not good for man to be alone, and so he he, he forms a woman out of his rib. He takes a rib out of his side and forms a woman out of it and brings her to him. And that's the very first marriage, the very first human-human relationship on earth. And God saw that it was good, right? And so Solomon, in all of his wisdom, is trying to tell us with practicality, there's so many practical reasons why it's good to be in a relationship. doesn't mean you have to be married, although... I would, I would advocate for getting married if you are young and not married yet and burning with passion. I mean, it's a good thing to get married. It's a gift from God to get married, right? But it's also talking about, you know, a team type of atmosphere, right? Two are better than one. Two are stronger than one, right? If you fall into trouble, someone can help you. If you're alone, it's not good when you fall into trouble, so, and then it talks about a triple braided cord. Three are even better than two, right? Now, not in marriage. Let me just say that. Not in marriage, right? Marriage is one man, one woman for life, okay? But oftentimes that, that triple braided cord, I like to, in, in a wedding, I talk about how um, that center cord or strand is God and the husband and wife, if you braid yourself around that center cord. That is a rope that will not be easily broken. That is a strong marriage. When you center the whole thing on God in the first place, nothing can break it, okay? So that is, 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 is our key verse today in talking about winning as a team and not as individuals. God designed us to win together, Right? And so where it applies to the church then is this. In the church, you are, all of us, we are invited to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. And by God's grace, everyone brings something to the table. Now, I have been listening to this podcast. It's a very famous podcast that's out right now. It's called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. And it's talking about a church, you know, back in, uh, I think, Washington that started. Huge church. It, like, grew really fast, right? It was 15 campuses with 15,000 people, and the whole podcast is, is all about, like, some of the, the positive things and the negative things that went on at this church. And, and if we look out at the, the, the country, you know, and even in the world, there are all these, these churches that seem to be winning or healthy because they have tons and tons of people, but yet they have this one guy who is the celebrity, right? Like the whole church is focused on this, this one guy that has all the gifts and all the abilities and all the talents, 
And what makes that extremely dangerous is, is that that guy is human. No matter how gifted that person is, he will eventually fall. And he will make mistakes, right? And, and if your whole church is based on one guy doing all these things, and you, we elevate one person to celebrity status, right? As the most gifted guy in the world, and we're following him above even following Christ in the call to be a team as a part of the church, it is a, a very dangerous thing. It is very dangerous to elevate people to celebrity status in our churches. Um, and that is something that happened at that church, and it's happened all across the country. And, and I bring that up because that's why this is one of our core values, right? We don't want to have any celebrities, right? Again, if all the focus is, was on me or the guy on stage, man, we will let you down terribly, right? So I would rather not have the spotlight on me. As a matter of fact, will you just pull those lights off of me right now? Like, I'm just kidding. They, they need to see me. But we shouldn't think too highly of ourselves, especially the leaders of the church. You know, Jesus said, you know, uh, the rulers of the Gentiles or the rulers of the, the pagan world, they lorded over their people and exercised authority over them. But what did Jesus say? He said, but it shall not be so among you, but the greatest among you, if someone is going to call themselves a leader among you, they ought to be the servant of all. That's what Jesus said. He said, you, for even the Son of Man came not to be served but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. The God of heaven, Jesus Christ, who sat on a throne as king, came down to be a lowly servant and to die to serve all of our needs, right? And he's who we worship. And so any leader of anything ought to be like Christ, a servant leader, not someone who elevates themselves and exercises authority over others to the point of becoming the lead celebrity guy, all right? Now, I'm a little bit passionate about that because I've been listening to this podcast and seeing all the, the bad things that can happen in unhealthy churches, and I really desire that this church would be a healthy church, a God-honoring church, a church that would look to God and His Word in all that we do and not some guy's opinions. And so... Let's look at how God designed the church. We're going to look at it Romans, Romans 12, 4 through 6. It says, just as our bodies have many parts, each part has a special function. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. We all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. The verse prior to this, it says, don't think too highly of yourselves, because Paul had to reiterate, some people have gifts that are, seem to be like more out front type of gifts, right? Like the preacher, the people worshiping, or whatever. Some people have these gifts, and there is a, there is a tendency for people to elevate these people un, un, unhealthy and to a, a status that they shouldn't have. And he's saying, no, the church is a body, and, and, and a body, um, it's like, say you take the hand um, and you cut it off. The hand would, would die, but the body could still live on, right? Because the body is, is many members together, right? And so um, 
if, uh, if one member of the body elevates itself above other members of the body, it's just ridiculous because really the members of the body exist for the body. The body does not exist for the members. My body doesn't exist for my hand, right? My body doesn't exist for my foot or my eye or my leg. Some of those things I can live without, out, right? But together, all of these parts make up the body and that's the team dynamic that God wants for us to see in the church. And so he starts talking about all these different spiritual gifts, these gifts of grace. If you've ever heard of um, the word charismatic, right? Charismatic is, is, is a word that describes kind of like a person's personality, but really what it means is, is uh, a giftedness, right? There's a, a spiritual gifts is what it means. And there are churches that focus really heavy on, on doing that and practicing those things. And, and so you'll hear about charismatic churches, but um, the spiritual gifts, charismata, is the, the original word. Charis means grace, and mata means gift. So they're really the gifts of grace. And that means, what grace means is you get something that you don't deserve. So we can't take credit for any gift or ability or talent that we have. They were given to us by God as a grace, okay? So that, again, goes back to the danger of elevating people with these high spiritual gifts. Let's look at the different gifts going on in Romans 12. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously, and if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Now, I can't go through every single one of these gifts because we're not going to have time, but I do want you to know that this isn't an exhaustive list, and there are four different places in the New Testament where you can find all the spiritual gifts of the Bible. It's, it's going to be uh, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter 4. That's where you're going to find all the spiritual gifts. But I did want to say one thing because like that song we sang earlier, it said prophesy and sing. And, and people are probably wondering like, what does that word prophesy mean, right? And a lot of people have different opinions about it. Um, but the reality is that prophesying in the New Testament, it's not talking specifically about being able to tell the future, right? To say that this is coming up and that's coming up and that's coming up. But if you look at the prophets of the Bible, they would always say, thus saith the Lord, right? And so prophesying is really delivering God's message, okay? And God's message now is complete in the Bible. And so what I want you to be aware of is never trust a man who says... God told me. God told me to do this, right? God told me to do that. Like, there's a, there's a very sad story that I'm very frustrated about. No, nobody in this church, but, like, this, this, this guy, he, he left his wife and, he, and, and, and to go be with another wife, and he said, 
God told me that our covenant relationship wasn't really valid. And I'm just so angry about that. I am so angry about that. Because it's a lie. When people say, God told me, that's how cults get started. Is when somebody just comes out and says, well, God said this and God said that. You want to know what God said? Read the Bible. And if you want to know, if you want to hear him audibly, then read the Bible out loud, okay? Because that's what God said. And no person who is prophesying will ever say anything that goes beyond Scripture or contradicting Scripture, okay? So a, prophesy, a person who prophesies can be a person that is preaching and proclaiming God's words. You can sing God's words that way. The same thing. You are, you are, you are sharing God's message. And by the way... You know, to, to be able to prophesy, if you think about the Old Testament prophets, they all got killed because the message they shared, people didn't like. <laughs> people uh, hated them after they spoke because God told them to go tell them a harsh truth, right? And so, so that might be why people don't like me. I'm not sure if I have the gift of prophecy or whatnot, <laughs> but that explains that gift, okay? Now let's go to... 1 Corinthians 13, and look at some of these other gifts, like serving, teaching. You'll, you're going to see some of the same spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, actually. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice from the Bible. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge, and that's special knowledge being able to interpret the Bible and apply it. The same Spirit gives great faith. Have you ever met a person who just like was so good at like having faith in those tough moments? Like everything's going to, you know, hell in a handbasket and, and there's that one guy in your life that's like, everything's going to be great, guys. Just trust God. And you're like, you're so annoying, you know. That's that guy who has the great faith, right? Great faith to trust God when things aren't going very well. Um, and then someone else of, the, of one spirit has the gift of healing. And he gives one person the power to perform miracles and another ability to prophesy again. And he gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. You know, that's the ability to be able to, you know, just this, this, this inner discernment that God is speaking to you through the Holy Spirit, like, that's not lining up with God's word, you know? Like, that is not God. That seems <laughs> that, like the guy who says, God told me, right? You're all, you're all of a sudden, you're like, your discernment antennas ought to pop up when somebody says something like that. Another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is, is given the ability to interpret what is being said. And so here's kind of a, a little list, and this is not an exhaustive list, and some of those gifts on there are kind of controversial, um, and people believe different things about them, right? Like the healing and the miracles thing, you know? Just like some people believe that um, those gifts were specifically given to only the first century apostles that followed Jesus so that they could continue on the message, right? So they were sign gifts. They were gifts to be able to, to show people that this Jesus, whom these guys followed, was true, and he passed that power on to the disciples. But some, and some people believe that they continue on, right? And that's why 
like I said, like this, this conversation of, of giftings, you know, you've got to have discernment. You've got to do this research on your own. Don't just even trust me and what I'm saying. Go look at it yourself and decide what you believe about this after you've done the research on your own. But all of this isn't just to, you know, critique all the different spiritual gifts and what everybody believes about, you know, the charismatic gifts and all of that type of stuff. The reason the Bible says, actually in 1 Corinthians 12, he gave these gifts for the common good, right? They were to help each other. No one of these gifts is meant to be used in a, a personal way, which is meant just between you and God, right? Because the gifts, say, he, Paul says that, it is meant to build up the church, okay? And so when people are using these in, in selfish ways, that takes away from that team mentality that we're talking about, and it starts to be that selfish, isolated type of thinking. But God designed and gave us all these gifts so that we could be a team, now, maybe you can relate with some of these gifts. Maybe you have some of them. Maybe you don't know. Maybe you need someone to help you. Like, maybe I, you know, maybe I am good at, at discernment or leadership or kindness or a special gift of giving, right? Like, and, and just because a person has a gift doesn't mean that nobody else needs to do that. We're all called to be kind. We're all called to be leaders and giving and encouraging, and we're all called to teach someone and to serve. But sometimes people have this ability above and beyond what other people can do to give or to encourage in a big way. And so I would say to you, like, as you're thinking about this stuff, where am I at? Like, how did God make me? What gifts do I have? Why do I exist and why am I a part of this church because my last point is this. God doesn't want something from you. He doesn't want you to like, you know, take something from you so that he can gain. God gave everything so that we could gain. He wants something for you when you serve. Because that's what he created you to do. We're more blessed to give than receive, right? He created us to be a team and when you're living outside of the team, you're not living in the way that you were created or born again for in the first place. God made us to be a part of the church, right? And I'm not talking about this building. I'm talking about the people all over the world that claim that Jesus Christ died for our sins and he rose again and he's called us to take this message to the end of the earth. That is the Christian church. Okay, and, and he wants us all to play a part in it, and he created us to do that. And so sometimes when people come to me, and they've been coming for a while to church, and they're struggling, like, you know, I've been stuck, and I believe in Jesus, but I can't grow anymore, and I don't know my, why my life is the way it is, and I'm depressed, and I have no purpose, and, and all this stuff, I start to question, well, what are you doing with your life? Are you playing out the role in God-given abilities and talents that God gave you to, to, to lift up his church, his mission in the world? Or are you using it for selfish reasons? God wants to bless us by living in the purpose that he gave us. And I just got to say, 
In my own life, in my family's life, you know, Adrian, who gave announcements today, it was probably nine years ago in September, nine years ago when, like, I wasn't, you know, the most mature Christian. I was struggling like I had just talked about. And Adrian says, hey, you know, Alpine's going to go plant this campus up in Brigham City. And he's all, and he saw something in me, you know, like an excitement about the gospel, but I was very immature. And he's like, why don't you come up, right? Come up and, and serve. And so we were like, okay, you know, we'll do it, right? And so we go up there and, and you know, for, for six and a half years, we drove from Ogden to Brigham until we finally decided to move up there. And, and uh, you know, Adrian let me do all kinds of different serving opportunities. Like, I started out as a greeter, and, and it was weird because, like, at that moment in time, I wasn't very good at saying hi and bye to people, you know? I was like, I don't like saying welcome and hi, how are you? And I'm not a smiling guy, if you haven't noticed yet. Like, I have to try hard to smile, you know? Like, and so, like, but I did it, right? And I served, and I found different, as I started serving, I started migrating to these different areas, and, and so did my family, you know? My, my wife, uh, it was many, many years ago, like, I kind of voluntold her to get on the worship team, and I am so glad I did that because she is amazing, right? She is amazing, and, and her life has changed from that, and my life has changed dramatically. God has taken an immature boy and turned him into a, you know, not so immature man, you know, through serving him and through uh, finding my purpose and my, my talents and abilities through serving his church. God blessed my family. He has blessed us. And I want that for every one of you, right? And so sometimes when we're standing up here and it sounds like we need this and we need that, it's, you know, really the reality is, is we can get by. We can get by with who we have. We've got a strong core of people. I know they will give their life for the Lord until this, this building is burned down. People will serve and they'll fill spots and that, you know, but I look around and so many other people aren't getting the blessing that they're getting and that we're getting and we want that for you to be able to be a part of something that's bigger than yourself. Jesus said this to Paul and Paul quotes it in Acts. He says, it is more blessed to give than receive. And I know that sounds like it might be talking about money, and it, and it could be. But it's also talking about, if you look at the context, Paul's talking about working hard. Like, I work hard so that I can give to others, right? And so that's the same principle when serving. We serve to be bigger, to be a part of something bigger than ourselves, but also to be able to provide an atmosphere where new people can come in and they can hear the gospel and they can get blessed just like we have been blessed. An interesting thing about that verse is actually we can't find it anywhere in the Gospels, but Paul quotes Jesus as saying it, and so it might be a reiteration of this principle that Jesus said in Luke 6, give and you will receive, your gift will return to you in full, press down, shaken together, and make room for more, running over and poured out into your lap. He's saying when you're generous... With your time, your talent, and your treasure, God will bless you. God will make that increase. I'm not talking about your bank account increasing either. 
I'm talking about a blessing that comes from within, a maturity and a purpose-filled life that comes from within as the Holy Spirit works on you, as you help other people, as you serve other people, God will bless you. And that, there is no doubt in question. And it's not always easy, right? It's not always easy. Sometimes it feels like work to serve at church, right? Sometimes it feels like work to go and tell people about Jesus and to serve them. The reason why is because it is work. <laughs> like, it's not this fun volunteer opportunity that, you know, is supposed to be a vacation. Although it can be fun, it's work. But God will bless you when you decide to serve other people. The crazy thing is, is God doesn't really actually need us to do anything, but he created us in a way to be a part of what he's doing. That's why we exist, to be a part of what God is doing. That's why the church exists. So I want to close with this. If today motivates you to want to get involved, to find a place here at this church to serve, there are several easy ways to figure it out. You go to our website, go to the Riverdale page, alpinechurch.org forward slash Riverdale. Right there, you can see a button that says join a serving team. Or if you go further down, there's a list of ministry teams. You hit that button. And we've got several different serving opportunities here at the church. We want to get this church to a place where when God does decide to keep sending more and more people, we want to be healthy enough to win, not look like we're, you know, letting people fall through the cracks is a terrible thing, and I hate that, right? We want to be able to minister to people in a proper way, and so if there are teams there where you're thinking, you know, my gifting could be used, or if you're just questioning, like, what can I do? I don't even know what my gift is, but I just want to do something or serve. Well, today is a good day to do that. You can fill this thing out online. When you came in, you got this paper called Get in the Game, and on there, you can fill that out. Check box any one of those boxes with your name, your email, your phone number, and if you don't want to talk to anyone because you're busy today or whatever, you can drop this in the giving box in the back. You can go to the welcome table. We're going to have several of our team leaders standing there ready to answer any questions you might have about any of these teams that you're considering, but I would just challenge you with this. Get in the game and see what God does in your life and the lives of other people. Would you guys pray with me? Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for this, this church, for all these people, this team that you've gathered together, the, the faithful ones who've stuck it out through the trials and the tribulation, God. I just pray an extra special blessing for them right now. God, and I, I, I pray, Lord, that you would continue to help us build relationships here, God, that we would learn to know each other, about each other's lives and kids and families. God, give us the time. Bless our schedules, God. We have so many crazy schedules just leaving summer, going into the fall. I pray, Lord, that you would supernaturally insert uh, a desire and time in our schedule to be able to build relationships and to serve others and to serve you. God, I pray for people today as they're trying to find out, like, what did you make them for? God, I pray that they would think about their life and, 
in their careers and, and, and that they would honor you in, in the fact that they didn't do this on their, their own, but you were with them the whole way. And that might be a, a little bit of a clue to how you've gifted them in their careers and their, their hobbies, God. And so I just pray today, Lord, that you would, you would just build up your church, God, moving our hearts today to get in the game. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.